Welcome to the third part of the Green Dragons coverage of There and Back Again, A Hobbit's Tale by Games Workshop. I'm Jeremy and this is... I'm David. Greetings. Greetings. And we're very excited to go through this continued saga of coverage about the book. Indeed we are. Yes. So if you didn't tune into the first two episodes, we covered a huge amount of scenarios and armies and models. I believe we're up to page 54 for those following at home. Page 54. We're going to start off. We've gone back to the to the dwarves in the Battle of Five Armies, and we're covering stuff that was in the Extended Edition. So we're going to start our coverage today with Scenario 26, To the King. Picture this, if you will. The gates of Erebor, there's Dane and his handful of guys in front of it, and the gates burst open, and out comes Thorin's company. Yes. So there are three objectives in the middle of the board. There is an evil army that can deploy right up onto the objectives. Do we want to cover what's in the evil army? I actually really love to cover what's in the evil army. You could talk about the story first, but I do want to talk about participants. Okay. We'll get to participants later. Evil army deploys right on the objectives. Dwarf army. They start off on the edge of the board. They have to run to these three objectives in the middle. Each time you outnumber the enemy on an objective, you claim that objective. Once you claim them, they stay claimed. So the battle is going to be swinging around all over the place. Oh, cool. So, the participants, yes, on the good side, we have a whole lot of champions of Erebor. So, all the champions, is it? All 13? Let's see. Thorin, Balin, I believe it's all 13. Yep. Is there Bilbo? Wouldn't be in this part, would there? It does not appear to be, no. No, because he's off somewhere else. He's fighting Dale with Gandalf, I yes. believe. You do get Dane, however. Oh, nice. And you get 24 Iron Hills Dwarves. 24 Iron Hills Dwarves. So this is good. That's a lot of ho- heroes. It's a lot of Dwarves. Yes. But yes. you are going to need them. Because on the evil side, you have three Gundabad Orc captains. That's a good amount, yeah. Three Gundabad Orc trolls. Oh, those, we talked about those in the last episode, and our, our idea about them was that they were just amazing. They looked so good for their points that we think that maybe, maybe, maybe the monster rules will get changed sometime in the future. We'll have to see. We'll have to see, but at the moment, oh, Gundabad trolls, nice. One catapult troll. Catapult troll, we also talked about that. That's a fantastic one. Two troll brutes. Two troll brutes. Now, I... Can't remember talking about the troll brutes. We'll so talk I'm, about them. We'll talk about them. Right, David, I want to hear your thoughts on the troll brute. That'll be okay, good. those are the ones with no arms and legs, correct? Yes, yes. Got but it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Anything else on the evil side? Uh, not much. They only get 36 Gundabad Orcs oh, with right. assorted equipment. Yeah, everyone's got those in their back pocket. I'm so happy I've got this almost done, almost this scenario. Now, David, you'd be surprised. Well, you're not going to be surprised to know. Looking at the Dane and 24 Iron Hills Dwarves. I actually just got my order from Forge World. You have Dane and 24 I, Iron Hills I Dwarves? I do. Have you seen the, the quality of these models? I have not. You must show them to me. Okay. So you've just had a look at the new order, David. What do you think? I have seen and I am impressed. These so, are some good models. They're so good. They're really impressive. The cast is just fantastic. I lied in our one of our episodes. I talked about Forge Wood Resin because I've, I've dealt with Forge Wood Resin before. I talked about it coming in bags and being like a bit hit and miss. These ones come in boxes. They've got fantastic instructions that are actually printed really professionally with color and everything. The models themselves are just flawless. I've got perfect, perfect cast, perfect batch. So excited to put these together. Uh, I did end up getting the, the Dane, the Dwarves, and the Abelista, and I cannot wait to get my Gundabad Berserkers and anything else that comes out before this episode's released. Yeah, these are going to look really nice when you're done with them. Like These are some quality models that yeah, yeah I no. like them. No, hopefully they make more. Brilliant. So go back to the scenario. What- okay, back to the scenario. We had 36 Gundabad Orcs, and they are legions. They keep cycling back on. So you're going to need all those powerful heroes we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I like that. I, I do do like that, because it means you attack the Gundabad Orcs. You're not worried about losing them at all. Yes. Other points of note, all of the dwarf heroes cause terror, because they're particularly worked up about this. Oh, that's massive. Luckily, they've got the courage of three for the Gundabad Orcs. Yes. And there's a special rule, Bofa the Troll Rider. Okay, go through this for me, David. Okay, Bofa, with the help of his kin, is able to steal himself a troll brute. If Bofa, the dwarf, champion of Erebor, is involved in a fight or a dual role against a troll brute and the good side wins, the good player can declare that he's in fact borrowing the troll brute. Remove your dwarf, make note of which one he got on top of, and you gain control of the troll. It becomes a good model from that point on. 
if the troll is slain, you get your dwarf back. Now, you do know that this means it's compulsory if you play this scenario to model a Bofa on the troll brute. Yes. I'm wondering if Legolas can steal one, because in the movie, he got one as well. So, Oh, come on, come on. It's going to cost me a fortune already to do this, David. Like, especially down. if you get the fight 7-3 attack Legolas and put him on a troll. and that... yep. Now, I always forget between Biffa and Bofa which one's which. So I'm trying to... Remember... I think Bofa had the funny hat, but I'll check. Yes, no, that, that is right. Bofa's the one that had some of the lines in the movie, actually. He was... He's the one that used to have the magic resistance. You target him with a spell and okay. he gets um, the two plus resist on it or something. Whereas Biffa is the one with the little axe in his head. Now, th- there's actually been some substantial changes to these. I believe Bofa still has a two plus ignore magic. Yes. What we'll do, we're going to talk about the scenario and we will go through the Champions of the Erebor because there is some good differences here. And you can use Might on his magic resist roll. Yes, yes. Good, good, good. David, calm down. We're going to go through this soon. Let's talk about the scenario. So... Anything else you want to say about the scenario? It looks like a pretty straightforward hero bashing up a bunch of troops and some scary monsters, doesn't it? Fairly stock standard. I do think the three objectives, and once they're captured, they're captured, we should really point out, because the objective in the middle is going to be easiest to take because the reinforcements come on from the edge. Yes. So later on, that's where you want to be fighting, which means do you split your army and hit the two edge objectives first, or do you sort of hit one and sort of try and roll your way up? You've got the so, potential to move quite fast with the dwarves with all the heroic combats and things that you could throw out because they they would not have trouble killing Gundabad orcs initially. Yes. And you've got a lot of might, so you can, yeah, you can start marching. Right. So you, can... you, you might want to split up the force because what you don't want is to have everyone bogged down in just a sea of Gundabad orcs. You want to keep moving and be able to, to stay open there. But that's a lot of heroes. We're talking about 14 dwarf heroes. It's huge. Dane's a massive hero. There's some really good heroes there and it's... The, the warriors to back them up. This is a substantial dwarf force. Really scary, actually. So let's go through at this point in time. Let's have a look at the, the champions of Erebor. So this might take a little bit to go through. And we're going to look for any changes that we notice. We're not going to notice them all. Once again, sorry about this, guys. We don't have every single change noted down, but we'll do our best. Okay. Um, I'm not all that up on dwarf heroes, but looking at Thorin Oakenshield, king under the mountain, I see some changes just straight up. Uh, firstly, he has Orcrist now, just in his equipment options. 10 points, picks up an Elven Sword. Also, the War Goat, again, 10 points. Important changes. The important... See, these ones are comparable to the ones in the Battle of Five Armies supplement that came out White Dwarf. He did have the Orcrist uh, upgrade for that for 10 points, but the Goat is definitely something different. Did he always have that rule that lets him reroll failed rolls to wound against Azog? Uh, the Ascord settle, yes. Okay, and... He got the free hero combats as well. Still got that one as well. So basically the biggest difference to him is the, the war goat. And that's going to be the biggest difference for a lot of them. Okay. Killian Philly. I definitely know there's some changes to Killian Philly. Okay. Fill me in. What are we looking at here? So the main thing, first thing I noticed about Killy and Philly, and these are characters I've used before, three might. That's quite an important change. Three might. So basically you've got a substantial hero now and there's still, there are slight points bump, 75 instead of 70, but that's just worth it. Point of my five points is always value. That's Ringwraith value, that is. Absolutely. But they still got their combat synergy. They still got their Dubakar. They've got the goat option, which is fantastic. They've got bow options, which is a big change. On both of them? Both of them have a bow okay. option. So these ones used to have no missile fire whatsoever on the, the heroes of Erebor ones, but now show the champions of Erebor. Now you've got some options there. They're the changes I noticed there. There's probably some minor ones as well, but they seem so much more useful and such a small bump in price. And three might, that's that's always good. Like, oh, you talk, can't. talk to Gondor, talk to Yurikai. If you can get three might heroes, you do so. Yep. We move on to Barlin. Barlin for straight away looks to be pretty much the same one here. Notice he's got strength of three. That's well and truly worth looking at. Because later on, we're going to mention another version of Balin that may or may not have a different strength. But he's exactly the same points. Two attacks. Okay, the next one is Dwalin. Now, David, I can't spot anything different with Dwalin, except the goat. You? So, this is the tall guy with a backpack of axes. Backpack of axes, handful of axes, so many axes. I remember him having quite a solid stat line first time around. Oh, he was good. He was good. So, I don't mind that they didn't change him. As a Champions of Erebor owner and sometimes player, I'm fine with that one. That's absolutely fine. The next one, though, there is some big changes. Who's up next? Biffa. We talked about Biffa before. He's the one with the axe in the head. 
Okay, so this is the guy under the old rules. When he got wounded, he powered up and got free heroics, but he couldn't call with me? Yes. So once he'd taken a wound, so basically what you did was you didn't use your fate on the first wound because once he was down to one wound, you'd then get free heroic actions that only benefited himself. The problem with this was that the enemy just would not roll wounds against him. So when you got a choice to go against different dwarves, you go against the other one. Why would you go against this guy? Unless you had something like a three attack troll that was rending or whatever that would just rip him apart. So he was either fine or he was dead. He was fine or he was dead. Always, always. It was, it was a bit sad. It meant tactically you could just stop that. Now he gets to choose when it happens. Because what he does, he goes and he gets to choose to do a headbutt strike instead of a normal strike if he wins a fight. So this is the guy with the axe in his head. So yes. he's headbutting you with this axe. One Got attack, it. not two attacks. One attack, headbutt strike. If he wounds you, the axe is gone. Disappears from his head. And now he can do heroic moves each move phase for free without expending might. But he can call with me this time. Okay. So for anyone who only watched the sh- shortened version of the third movie, is this what happened to the axe when it just mysteriously disappeared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Got it. Yep. No, we've... We butted somebody with it. We're following the extended edition quite a bit now. So we've, we've finalized the script. The biggest advantage of this book coming out now is that it actually can follow the script. It can follow the movies because we've seen them now. We don't get to see an early version. So... Yeah, I just like this so much more because he has the ability to, to choose when to do it. In the last version, didn't it count as a throwing weapon in one scenario or something? Like one of the other dwarves could like borrow it and throw it at people? Yeah, there was something silly like that, yes. Yeah, I, I think there might have been a scenario-specific rule, but we won't go too much into that. I just really like that. I think that's that's Yeah, fun. it's a nice rule. Yeah. Because you might, you might decide you need the two attacks and you can't afford to go for that or you could put him on a flank or something. Well, there's sometimes when heroic moves are irrelevant, aren't there? Yeah. Like there's some points of the games where it's just, I don't actually care about heroic moves, but there are some times when you're just like, I'm going to have to start calling heroic moves most turns. So headbutt somebody. Headbutt every time. Like, let's. who cares about killing yep. multiple Burn models? your might on the wound roll and then yeah. yeah, heroic move forever. Yeah, I think one point of might is a fair trade-off because then one phase you broke even, two phases you're ahead. So I think that's worth doing. Bofor is the next one. So this is the guy with the magic resistance and the funny hat. Magic resistance, funny hat. Magic resistance can be used... You can use might on it. I like that it actually says that in the rule yes. because in the rule book, they list the things you can use might for. So it's fantastic that, that we've learned from that. Other than that, I can't see any difference. 65 points, solid model, not nothing outstanding, but the magic resistance on 2 plus is pretty good. Yes, especially if there's like, I know, a guy with magic hat of nature's wrath or whatever. Absolutely. Bomber. Bomber, the, the next one of these. Gone down in points. Less points. Less points. 60 points now instead of 65. Still has three wounds because he's fat. Because fat people always have lots of wounds. Yep. Still has the two attacks. Still has the defense seven. Profile looks absolutely the same. He's got the flail, which is... Have you ever used the flail special rule? Is that the one where you swing it around your head? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you whirl attack. You you basically lower your fight value by one, but you can damage everyone in combat. I've never used it successfully. No, no. I use it with goblins occasionally. It just doesn't do much. So like, it's when you're lower fight against multiple opponents. So th- it's a low, low probability of happening. On a fight four model, I can't see why you would really want to do it unless you're up against a bunch of fight five. Yeah, you're surrounded by elves. Yeah, that, that's... in which case you're in trouble. Well, the Merkwood elves, you could potentially find a scenario in that case. Yes, you are in trouble. You got defense seven, so you may be able to survive in three wounds. But still, it seems. Like, you have to have more than two models around you to be get any benefit from it whatsoever. Yes. So, you are surrounded by models with higher fight. Not a winning place to be. No. So, don't mind that he's been lowered. Did he also have a bash as well? He's still got the bash, yes. So, he can do that. That's not bad. So, with his, he can use a bash attack as if it was using a mace. What does the bash attack do again, David? Um, that's where we both roll dice at our strength. If I can roll higher than you, I can knock you over. Which, if you're fighting cavalry or something, knock them off their horse, dump them in the water. Or if you've got mates around you that can take advantage of that trap. Yeah, I think that's probably a better choice than the flail as a special ability. So that's not too bad. Less useful on a two-attack model, but still nice. Still nice occasionally, especially going against like a ring rape on Fell Beast or something like that where you might want to have a real go at it and maybe you get it off, maybe you don't. He's still got his raising spirit, so he can still give points of will back. Okay, Which yep. everyone loves with Gandalf. Mm-hmm. But that, that's, a, that's a solid one. Alfred, I guess. Yeah, dump him in a Lake Town army. Though you'd, you'd, you'd lose your Lake Town army bonus, but oh well. Yeah, so that, that's not too bad. So, solid, solid model. Three wounds for 60 points is pretty solid. Who's up next? 
Ori. Okay, is this Slingshot Guy or was that the other one? Yeah, the Chronicler. Does he still oh. have his Slingshot? Oh, yeah. Yep. Ori used to be a Slingshotter in the, the other one. He never got his Slingshotter as a champion of Erebor. Remember the champions of Erebor didn't have any missile weapons whatsoever? Except the axe in the guy's head. Except the axe in the guy's head. Yeah, but so they became basically a, a combat one. He became a combat hero. So he had a massive change between profiles, but he is five points less. Okay. And I don't really see any other changes. It's interesting that the, some of them dropping down in points. Maybe they're trying to keep them still at a thousand or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'd have to do some calculations of the whole lot of them. But basically, a drop in points you, you take, absolutely. Oh, but yes. It looks to be to be pretty much the same model otherwise than that. He's still got the Chronicler. He's still got a protector of Thor and Oaken Shield. And away he goes. Pretty solid model. Okay, moving on. Next one is Nori. They're in, they're in a different order in the two books, which is interesting. Nori. So, Nori he was the... Did he have the um, flail or... Shield and mace. Shield and mace. Okay. Yep. So he's in the, the actual, like, the fellowship version. What's it called? The company version. The light one from the book. He had... So Nori, he was the one with the staff, right? Yes. Yes. That's the one. So now he's got a, a, a mace and a shield. He's still a weapon master, so he doesn't get... Uh, penalty for duels with two-handed weapons, which doesn't really make any difference in this one, unless you're playing some sort of borrowed weapon rules. So that's not particularly fantastic. He's got the champion variable. He can re-roll one dice to win a duel and one dice when making strikes. So this is his weapon synergy. That's a fantastic rule. So he, he brings his own banner and then he gets to re-roll to wound as well. Yeah, so that basically he's gone up points. He's gone up to 80. So for 10 points, which... Maybe that's why some of the others drop by five. Maybe you start keeping the same. shoehorn them into the same The thousand-point army. Yeah, probably. I'm not 100% sure there. But suddenly he becomes very good. He's, his weapon abilities become noticeable. So that's all pretty good. He's, the funny thing is he's got the defense eight, which a lot of them have. He's got the shield. It's baked into his profile. So a lot of them have either defense eight or seven. He's one of the defense eight ones, which the next one is as well. But he's got the shield. It's funny how some of them have... Shield, so they're defense eight, and some just don't like, but they're defense eight anyway. That's because they're particularly, you know, tough. And yeah, tough. that's right, tougher. So we've got Dory next. So here's the one company version. He had the spikes on a chain that yeah. sort of dragging behind him. He had him. the flail that you never used, but he was actually really good because he had three attacks then. Yes, so three attacks, only useful if you're surrounded by four models. Yep. Now, he's basically the good sort, really. He's the one that, that he's very kind and hard and look after Bilbo Baggins. He can spend his might if you build, but that stays the same. He's a weapon master, which isn't. It actually is useful for this guy because he's got a two-handed mace. But his profile to me looks pretty well, exactly the same, exactly the same points. I don't see any difference with him. Looks solid. Okay, so is that the end of the company, or do oh, we have? Oh no, no, lots to go. Um, Owen is the next one in our book here. Right, sorry, two pages stuck together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's on the same page, but anyway, looking looking behind the scenes. I'm looking at the other book. Yes, uh, this was the healer one. So he's the one that's got the healing herb, so he can give you on a four plus, you regain a wound. On a six, you regain all your lost wounds, which could be could be pretty handy. It's a nice little ability to have. That's the same. He's got prognostication, which is a great ability. So basically, once per fight phase, he can expend a will point to enable any friendly model, so a friendly model within three inches, to re-roll a single die when making a dual roll. So it's basically a banner effect, but it can stack with banners because it's not a banner. Okay, and then you can use Bomber, who can restore will points. He can restore as well. This is a great target for the restoring will because that's that's an ability that's actually really fantastic. I found it really useful when I was using this guy as a, a Lake Town version because it's, it's, it's basically a banner, but it doesn't count as a banner, and you can use it on whatever model you want. Yeah, It's only once per turn, so it's you pick a critical fight, you get this guy in range, and... Off you go. Absolutely. He's still got a profile that's solid, but he's not the best fighter. He's only got one attack and fight four, so he's not amazing, but his abilities are pretty solid. He's the same point, same model. Pretty good. Pretty good. Love him. Who's next? Glowin. So Glowin, once again, points drop. 90 points from 95. There's a lot of points drops. Profile, same. So that looks pretty valuable. Same weapons. Heavy armor, two-handed axe. Swarm protector. Yep. Warrior born. He's got the Weapons Master rule. So he's got one extra rule. This one says that 
He's never considered unarmed and never suffers a one-minus penalty for fighting with a two-handed weapon. Does he have a two-handed weapon? He has a two-handed axe. Very nice. So he used to not have that, believe it or not. So that's fantastic. So he dropped some points and he got a two-handed weapon. Yeah. Oh. That's a pretty good bargain. You don't argue with that. You, you take that, don't you? And that's the last of those ones. Then we've got Dane Ironfoot. So we need to go... I think we've already gone over Dane. Yes, we, we've definitely gone over Dane before. He's massive, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, so he he's good. Uh, basically, I don't see any really negatives about those changes to the company. They're good. No, that that's some fine tuning here and there, some tweaking, some. How many times yeah. did I say drop by five points and got a better special rule? Yeah, that's that's what you want to hear. Four or five yeah. times. Yeah, look, these ones these ones are solid. I've actually seen them played the tournament as well, and they weren't too bad. Like they they're hard to get the scenarios, but they're good fun. And they're now even more powerful. Even more powerful. Now, there was a new evil model as well, wasn't there, in this this one? Indeed, there was. That was the Troll Brute. The troll Brute. So, David, let's talk about the Troll Brute. I know you've been excited to talk about this guy, because he's the one that, that, in the movies, he just looked ridiculous. Like, no arms, no legs, and he's just a beat stick. That's a case of what on earth is this guy doing in a battle? But here he is, and he is ready to stomp on dwarves, elves, and whoever else gets so in his we're way. we're really embracing the silliness, aren't we, at this point? It's good. Yes. So, no arms, no legs, fight four, makes sense, move six, makes yep. sense. Yep, yep. Um, pretty much, yeah, he's a, he's a Gundabad troll, he's only got defense six, because he's not as well armored, whatever, but his main thing comes down to his special rules. Yes. He yes. has terror, because he's a troll. Terror's good. He has fearless, because, well, now, this he feels is, like it. This is big, this is really big, because one of the big weaknesses of trolls is their courage. Especially since he's only Courage 3. Yeah, so but fearless. Fearless. Oh, that, that's brilliant. There's so many things that can stuff you up. Like, you're immune to terror on the other side. It's wonderful. Finally, Crushing Blow. Crushing Blow. As Troll Brutes move, they smash their flails into the ground in an attempt to crush whatever lies in their path. Yes. Pretty much. When it moves into contact with an island model, it inflicts a strength 10 hit. So that's stronger than a Moomark. Yes. Only yes. one of them, but stronger, but stronger than a Moomark. <laughs> If it Honestly, kills, it doesn't make a huge difference, yeah. really, because yes. it's going to be three plus to wound almost yeah. anything. If it kills that model, it keeps moving. Yes. If it's not slain, the troll brute stops exactly like a charging model. Um, yeah. I'm assuming that means it can batter its own models because you don't have to charge. You just have to move into contact with a model. Yep. And then if you don't kill it, you count as having charged. And is it a straight line like the Mulak? It doesn't appear to be. It just no. moves around with its move six. A bit like the Golgriff Beast where you sort of... You can yes, inch you forward. can sort of jimmy around and twist sideways yeah, a bit. Yeah, so of. this is a great way of, of knocking down those defense eight Iron Heels dwarves. But while the Golgriff Beast is, I believe, strength four hits... I think it might be strength six, but I... I, I can't remember. I can't remember either. It's not as good as this. Yes, this is quite clearly higher. How much points are we paying for this package? This is 100 points. It's a troll. 100 points. But it's four wounds on a troll. Take. I'll take two. Thank you. Yes, done. Yeah, like, that, that's huge. That's so, so fantastic. Yes, Unless you run into Bofa, who will steal one of them. <laughs> steal one of them. Yeah, well, isn't that scenario specific? I think it is. It is, but it comes up twice. In the scenario. Yeah, fair enough. The, these models look impressive to me. So, once again, the monsters look great value. You compare it to something like a Mortar Troll directly, and it looks fantastic. The ability to take wounds in the movement phase is, is really nasty. And things like Cavalry, I imagine you hit both of them. So, you hit the Rider and the... the the horse as well because you're moving into contact with the model. It just says you hit the model, but against Moomark, Gorgoth Beast, all of them hit horse and rider. So yeah. I'm assuming this does the same. Let's assume it's the same for the moment and, and someone can correct us if we're wrong on that. We probably are, but that's pretty good. I think that's a scenario enough. We've been going for 20 minutes on that scenario. That's pretty good. Let's do the next one. So the next one here is 27 and it's called, it's called Chase Along the Frozen River. I'll give you the participants. Give me the participants. You have a Iron Hills Chariot. Yeah, we talked about these in the last one. This is just a, a basically another version of a Mulmac as well with a little crossbows on the back. Really good model. Yep, and it has an upgrade. Can we go to the up... Well, we'll talk about the upgrade later, but the upgrade's the Champions of Erebor, isn't it? Yes, 325-point upgrade, so it's it's not a cheap one. So you're paying 500 points now for the Chariot, but yes. in the scenario, who cares? You get it for free. It doesn't cost anything. Yep. And it pretty much puts four of your favourite dwarves on top of a Chariot. Yes. So is that all there is on the good side? That's all there is on the good side. One model. Fantastic. We'll go in how that works very soon. What's on the evil side? The evil side is... It uses rolling board sections, so you come across... 
couple of evil models at a time. But to play it, you need two Gundabad trolls, 12 Hunter Orts on Falwag, and 12 Falwags. Oh, wow. So lots of lots of Wags and... But you'll probably fast. see some of these models showing up two or three times. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And because just that amount there, the chariot should be able to take on reasonably well. So this is good. We've got some different participants. It's the first one in a long time, no Gundabad Orcs. So this one might be a good one for people who are starting out. Model count, not too bad. I, I noticed it was on a two by four, two by two board, wasn't it? Um, yeah, 24 inches, 24 inches square. And you basically reset the board after each section. So it yep. gives the impression of a long river. So the idea is there's this chariot and there's these dwarves and they are pretty much trying to get from one end of the river to the other. So every time they move off the western board edge, you move them back onto the eastern board edge and they've got to the next board section. So you reset the bad guys and off you go. However, there is a troll chasing after them. So every time you move off the board, the troll moves on again behind you. Yeah, they're really cool. No, I like it. I really like this one. I can't wait to play this one. I'm hoping the chariot model comes out really soon. David, can you just quickly tell us what the Erebor champions do to the chariot? So let's have a look at that. Okay, so when you take the champions variable upgrade, it replaces the four crew with... Just four heroes? With four heroes. So you've got Balin... Dwalin, Philly, and Kelly. Yes. Balin is driving. Dwalin, I believe, is working the bolt throwers. And the other two are just on board for, you know, just the waving. Yeah, well, absolutely. Now, normally on these vehicles, the crew don't do a whole lot. So you look at this, having four of these heroes on the crew would be a bit of a worry. But not this case. When they're in combat, they fight. They so fight. it counts as a multiple combat. So if somebody charges this thing, they are now fighting a group of dwarven heroes. Four dwarf heroes. Good luck. Um, which means you can end up with a multiple combat on both sides if multiple people charge it. And it means if one of your dwarf heroes strikes up, then they all benefit from the increased yeah. fight value. Yeah. No, so that is nice. It, it is really fantastic. And in for an add to my maths in Middle Earth calculations, go on to the, the chance of winning a fight with a group of four dwarf heroes. You'll find that, that unless they've got a higher fight than you, your chances are... are of losing a very, very low. You're going to win the vast majority of fights you're in. Uh-huh. It does, however, count as four models, not one. does count as four models, yes, not one. it counts as four. So if you kill it, it counts as four. Okay, it doesn't count as one. Mm-hmm. That's only for scenario-specific stuff, I think. I don't think yeah. it's going to make a huge difference here. Anything else they do to it? Magical powers target each dwarf individually. Which is a real boon for it because it means you can't just transfix the whole thing. You've yes, got to. You have to transfix all four of them. Yeah, to get any real benefit from, from that. Yes, you can lower some attacks and things, but you've got a really strong amount of guys. It's, it's just fantastic to be able to put them all in one base. Yeah. Otherwise, it just puts a whole lot of dwarf heroes and a whole lot of might onto a pretty powerful unit. And keep in mind, you've got Balaner's there as well, so you can still use his will to to do the the reroll. Oh, sorry, the um. The adjustment to the... Priority? Priority, yeah. So you've got a good model. I have a feeling you might see the start of some really small elite dwarf armies coming in. Like, like Oh, yeah. Like half a dozen models. Like, it counts as four, so you can take this and... Yeah. yeah 500 I points, done. Yeah, yeah, a 500-point army on its own. But I'm thinking more like 800 points taking this and a couple of the other heroes. Okay, on Wargoat and... Or maybe like a Dane on a boar and someone else on a goat or whatever. You can actually have a really skirmishy force that... Um, could have some real power to it. Yeah. This this goes up the middle and just beats space while the others go and take on the flanks. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this scenario. I'm looking forward... I cannot wait to see this model. I really hope it comes out soon. It's going to be fantastic. The next scenario, number 28, Ride to Victory. So they've gotten off the chariot. They've gotten onto their war goats. So this is Thorin. This is Killy, Philly, and Dwalin, all on war goats. War goats, yep. Just to remind what the war goats were, just for those who don't remember. So you quickly have a look at the profiles. Okay, the war goat is a, well, it's a cavalry piece. It's move eight. It's got no attacks. So rider goes, it goes. But it's strength four, defense five, which is, you know, quite quite sturdy for Yeah, us. strength four for, for the hits are pretty good. Uh, for these heroes, you're not going to worry too much about it because they're most of the strength four anyway, except maybe like a Barlin. Mm-hmm. But still, defense five on your horse is always nice. Um, it comes with a number of special rules, maybe. It says reference page 99, you go to page 99, it has Wargoat 
has special rules. So these might be attached to the war goat. They might be attached yeah, to the Yeah, this is the first time rider. we had... Well, not the first time, but this is one of the times we had a little bit of ambiguous rules here. We we actually think these should be attached to the goat. Because yes, they look it very, makes sense. They're goat-specific rules. Things like Mountain Dweller, it's the goat that's doing the walking. So if, you, if you watch the movie, they've clearly got Mountain Dweller. Yeah, they, they've got Mountain Dweller. The other one is the Devastating Charge. The Devastating Charge, when this model charges into combat against a man-sized model or smaller, roll a dice. On a 5+, plus, you knock it to the ground before the fight begins. Yeah, massive, massive. So, and once again, I can't see why they wouldn't get this. Like, from a, from a, going from a story point of view, what justification could you have for saying a hero getting the goat doesn't get this and the normal riders do? Yeah. So, pretty much, you're trading two inches off a standard cavalry model, which they yeah. couldn't get anyway. You're picking up Mountain Dwellers and Devastating Charge. Yep. Now, rules... Maybe. As written, as exactly... It is a little bit ambiguous about it because do you check the profile? Like, literally under the wall goat is the profile for the goat and that's it. And then the special rules for the goat rider, you get these. So, I'm pretty sure there's going to be an FAQ at some point that says the rules... These are the rules. Take Mountain Dweller, take Devastating Charge. I cannot see why you wouldn't. Okay, so that may or may not be the wall goats. Yes, what was on the evil side? The evil side? Well, once the war goats get through with them, not much, but let's have a look. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Two Gundabad Orc captains, 24 Gundabad Orcs, and an assortment of equipment. I believe, however, the Gundabad Orcs are legion, so they recycle. It's funny how you've got so many Gundabad Orcs ones set up in warbands. So you've got this one, you've got the two warbands I've had. I really hope at some point in the future we get either a box set that is a warband or a plastic set or something like that. But... At the moment, I've got enough to play this one. They are specific about the war gear. I think it's exactly half having shield and half having spear. Yes. Which means I have to do some modification of some of mine. I talked about that in a previous episode. I'm okay with that. But that's I actually prefer they actually say the war gear options. Interesting little... It's a not, a, not a bad scenario. It's not a huge amount of models yes. this time. Um, this one, the good player has to get all of their dwarfs off the board edge because they're riding towards Ravenhill. And if they can get within so far the board edge, it ends the reinforcements coming on. Because otherwise, you kill them, they stand on the board edge. You kill them, they stand on the board edge. How big's the board for this one? Four by four. Yeah, okay. So standard board size, pretty light on terrain, lots of rocks and things. Otherwise, looks fairly standard. Thorin gets to reroll, Bard rolls to wound though, because he is particularly, you know, worked up about this. <laughs> yeah, he's always worked up. So. Yeah, give him Orcus, give him rerolls to wound. What could possibly go wrong? Well, the Orcus is mainly just the terror, isn't it, for these ones? Because most of them have a single wound. Yeah, it might help you kill a captain. It here does. And there, ha- it actually does help you kill a captain. The Orcus. Orcus is, is before fate, correct? It multiplies your wounds. Uh, oh, you've caught me off guard. I believe so. One moment. Yes, Orcus is before fate. I think the White Sword is the only thing that's after fate. Yeah, yeah, no, most most of them, are, it's inconsistent, but most of them are before the fate. So you can, for a single attack, you get a lot of wounds going. So you start rolling that two or three on the wounds and a captain's not surviving it. So as the designer's notes say, evil player is trying to bog the good player down. Good player is trying to slaughter people with, you know, their powerful heroes and then get off the board. I love that even in the Battle of Five Armies, which was some massive conflicts, we've got these little hero-centric scenarios. Because... Yeah. Honestly, think about this from a Lord of the Rings context. We're talking, what is it, four models on the good side? Yep. Four or five, whatever it is. Four or five models on the good side. Uh, Four in this one. Yeah, four. Perfect. Four models on the good side against 26 on the evil side. Just the old plastic box set of orcs. Now, unfortunately, they're they're, They're not a plastic box set. They're not a plastic box set at the moment. Hopefully, they are at some point in the future. But this is the kind of size of scenarios I actually really like. It's it's very manageable. It's very fun. It's the equivalent of the three hunters trying to cross Rohan with the yeah. Urukai coming at it. Yeah, it's just, just a fun number of scenarios. And 24 orcs are going to have a hard time against four heroes like that. So it's good that they're, they're legion. Moving on, we have Ambush at Ravenhill. I'm so excited about this one. David, why am I so excited about this one? Well, because when they say Ambush at Ravenhill, you think that massive scenario with like, you know... Beyond and all of the eagles, but nope, they've broken it into pieces. No, no, I'm excited because of the participants. Some of the participants. Fine. Participants, we have Thorin. He's lost his goat. Uh, you have Killy, Philly, and Wallen. Now, I'm not excited about that. Tell me the other part. Two goblin mercenary captains goblin. with 24 goblin mercenaries. This is one of those ones where we saw the movie and I really wanted to include this profile. I'm so happy we've got the profile for it. For the moment, you could easily use like Moria goblins for them, I'm pretty sure. 
Isn't this the one where Dwalin's like, ah, there's only a hundred of them? <laughs> I can't actually remember this. I'm going to have to rewatch it and double check that, but you're probably right there, David. Now, David, go to the mercenary profile and tell me the main difference between these guys, and we're going to compare them to Moria Goblins. So looking at basically a Moria Goblin profile with a significant difference. Okay, the Warriors are pretty much the Goblin Town Goblins with armor. So they come in at five points, they're fight two, they're strength three, defense four, because they're armored, courage two. They're goblins, they've got the chittering hordes, so free spears all round. Okay, so so basically Moria profile, but with the chittering hordes rule, that's that's good. So you don't have to buy the spears for them, they can attack in the back. Can't do special strikes in the back, but that's all right. And they have another special rule, mercenary ambush. They get to tag along with their captain. Yep, yep. And what does the captain's special rule do? Okay, if you have a goblin mercenary captain and his warband contains solely goblin mercenaries, then he can deploy from ambush. From turn two onwards, you take a courage test. If your test is passed, you get to decide if you want your goblin mercenary to ambush the enemy. If the test is failed, the enemy gets to decide if your goblin mercenary captain wishes to ambush the I enemy. I love that. That's, that's actually a really good rule. Um... For the ambush, you pick a terrain feature, you deploy your warband in the terrain feature, that counts as their move. Yeah, love it, love it. It feels like an old War of the Ring type ambush. Rule. They're behind you! Yeah, and like we plan a lot of terrain, so this is going to be really good where you've got a bunch of terrain features where the goblin mercs can come out, and I really like that it has to be entirely goblin mercenaries in the, the warband. You can't yes, like, you ambush. don't slip a couple trolls in while no one's looking. Yeah, or... Dweller in the Dark or something sneaky I can, like that. I can... I can hit them with a Gorgoth beast from ambush. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, I love this idea. It's so thematic and it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of goblins. So it's nothing that threatening, but it's going to turn up in Have your you flanks. Have you fought Goblin back. Town before? Three or four of them rock up behind you, you're dead. If a full warband comes on behind you, you're in trouble. Well, that's the thing because it's coming on your weak spot. So that, that could become very nasty. So, but in this scenario, you've got just the goblins there, which is, does that, yes. how does the ambush work with this scenario? Um, there's two changes. Firstly, they sharp on turn one regardless, because it would be kind of boring it if they did It would be boring didn't. if turn one has nothing, yes. Secondly, they're particularly cunning, these goblins, uh, and the dwarves had just gotten off their war goats, so they're completely unawares. The goblins get to move and act on the turn they arrive, where normally showing up is their move. Yep. But these are these goblins are ready for ready for combat. So basically, they've just made it a bit more of a scenario-specific rule that, that allows you to start operating straight so, yeah. away. Rather than an ambush special rule, it's a deployment special rule. Yeah, yeah, no, I like. The, I'm actually looking forward to this one because once again, you've got a small amount of heroes. I'm really liking these Ravenhill scenarios. So this is a ten-turn game. You've got to get Philly and Killy off the board, and you've got to keep Thorn and Dwalin alive. So yeah. this is one of them says, "I know what. We'll split up to cover more ground." <laughs> And so they send Philly and Killy to flush out Azog from his lair because that's going to go well. Yeah, well, it went pretty well. Well, no, it didn't. But I could see why they would do that. Who cares about those two? Okay, next up we have the last stand of the company. So we're building some, you know, dramatic sort of emphasis by we don't find out what happens to Philly and Killy. We go go over to these people. Yeah, that's right. So we, we do our last stand. Participants. Dane. Biffa. Bofa, Bombar, Ori, Nori, Dory, Iron, Gloyan, and 24 Iron Hills Dwarves. Are they the Spear Shield kinds or is this Spear ambitious? and Shield. Good. I like it when they say Spear and Shield. I think one of the scenarios they didn't, which is a bit frustrating. I assume they're all Spear and Shield scenarios because that's what they were in the movie. Aren't all the models Spear and Shield ones? Have you seen the profile? You can get crossbows for them. Oh, and you can get two-handed weapons for them. So I you, am intrigued. Yeah, so you don't just have to have the spear and shield, but for the moment, I think it's just spear and shield. This is the the flashback to what's happening on ground and find out what it is. I actually really wanted to write the scenario. I was looking forward. I wasn't going to put Dane in mine, but I was going to put the heroes, the remaining heroes, fighting against a horde of Gundabads. What are they fighting against in this one, David? A horde of Gundabads. Who's in this horde? Three Gundabad orc captains. Yeah, we've seen them before. Three Gundabad trolls. Oh, nasty. One, troll with no arms and legs. So the troll brute? Yep. So four trolls? Yep. Six warbats? Six warbats. I believe we'll get to in a minute, because these guys are worth getting to. Yes. And then 36 Gundabad orcs with an even split between shield and spear. Yep. So you've got... You've got basically everyone. You've got a And the orcs are legion. Yes. So they keep coming back on. These are big battles. Uh, Points of interest? 
Bofart, once again, can steal the troll brute, yeah. which is probably why there's a troll brute in this scenario. I think scenario. this is why we have this scenario. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason to put him in. Uh, the Warbats show up later as reinforcements, and all dwarf heroes reroll ones to wound. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that's pretty scary looking. Now, let's talk about the bat. We can't go on without talking about the bat. Before we had bat swarms, which were nasty models that came in and halved your fight value and made it really easy to kill heroes. These bats are different, aren't they? Yes, these are singular bats, and they're big. They're bred for a single purpose. I that can't wait to put them with war. the other bats. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be fun. So these bats have a fe- special flyover move. Dave's gonna tell me what it's called. They have pluck, which instead of referring to courage, refers to their ability to pick people up and throw them at other people. Yes. Okay, so at the end of a warbat's move, pick an unengaged, man-sized or smaller enemy model that you moved over and roll a dice. On a 4+, that model suffers a strength 4 hit. If it survives, roll again. On a 4+, it's knocked to the ground. Now, in this scenario, because you've got so many heroes with so multiple wounds, they're probably going to survive it. So it's probably for that knockdown, flying over and knocking them down if they're unengaged. Yep. This is really good yep. if you have priority. It's, so it's 50-50, you get the strength 4. Another 50-50, you get the knockdown. So one in four, you'll knock down a dwarf hero. Which is pretty solid because they can't resist it or anything like that. And it's as you move. So you move the first one. No, yeah. We didn't knock him over. We've got six of them. Send the next one. <laughs> Just everyone fly over Dane. See if we can knock him off his... Knock him off his knock pig, him, yep. yep. Um, they also rock. have the piercing talons rule. When the warbat charges, the charge model and any model that it you know subsequently charges, cavalry style, suffers neg two to its defense from strikes by the warbat. Yeah, so this is this is pretty good against these really high armored dwarves. Can you do both? Can you fly over and charge? At the end of the warbats move, you get to use its flyover. So if you charge, no, you're moving, aren't you? Well, you're engaged though, wouldn't you? Because it says unengaged. The model that you target yeah. is un- has to be unengaged. So you'd fly over one model to charge another. Yeah, you got so you. So gotcha. you could fly over Dane, try and knock him over, then um, pick up another, then attack another guy with your neg two to his defense. So you can't do it on both. So I can't, I can't fly over, pluck Dane over, and then charge him because it happens at the end. Correct. Yep. Gotcha. So you'd need two of them: one to knock him over, another one to charge him. Yep. Maybe yep. knock his spearman over. That makes sense. That's pretty clear. So yeah, move twelve, fly, um, strength four, defense four, two attacks, two wounds, fight three, courage three. So you've got this interesting part where the best way to get. To, to protect yourself from a warbat is to just get into combat. Yes. Because they like can't... Get they in can't close. Up, get, get fighting, yeah. Even then, it's going to start trying to eat your spearmen or whatever, but... Yeah, absolutely. It means that, yeah, people could, yeah, really stuff up your plan. I quite like this. And if you've got several of them, the idea is you fly over. If if he survives and you knock him over, the next guy flies over someone else and then charges the guy on the ground. Yes, absolutely. So they could work in teams and you could, you know... I think that's it for these kind of models. You take, you always take a few. One of them, it's probably the, the ability doesn't go off enough. But once you get four of them, you're starting to reliably get a good chance to target weak models and be a bit opportunistic. I really like them. And you can choke the sky with your cloud of bats. Yeah, that, that's the thing I do remember from the, the actual Hobbit book years and years ago was the cloud of bats in the air. And I always imagined that. It was yep. like enough bats to actually block out the sun. Yeah, that's just massive and scary looking. So I like that we got the bats back. Now we move on to a, a totally different scenario, but it's similar to one that I've played before. So we're moving on to Bayon's Fury. Okay, Bayon's Fury. On the good side, we have Bayon the Bear. We have Radagast the Brown, Riding Great Eagle. We have Gua here, and we have four Great Eagles. On the evil side, we have three Gundabad Orc Captains again, the six yep. Warbats again, and once more, the 36 Gundabad Orcs. Though they are no longer Legion. Yeah, this is straight away... Seems almost like the uh, the assault on Ravenhill scenario that was in the the White Dwarf supplement one. I really like this scenario, but we've got a lot less on the good side. In that one, we actually had the the dwarf heroes and Bilbo fighting as way as well. And this one we've actually got more evil models, I think, but we don't have Azogar Bolg. So mm-hmm. we've got all the Gundabads and we've got the bats instead. But this kind of looks like a fun fight. Very different. Um, for the good side, notable changes from their old profiles. Bayorn lost his bow option. This is a bit sad because I've got a separate Bayorn with a bow. Yes. So the the powers to be have made their decree and they're like, nope, Bayorn, the woodsman, he does not use a bow. Yep, so mine one's going to turn into Grim Bayorn. Yeah, I can see that. I might, I might give him a different color skin. Uh, next next notable change, Radagrass the Brown, riding Great Eagle, now has a Great Eagle in his war gear. That's pretty clever, actually. That, 
I can't believe we had the debate. We did have a debate well, that Radagast writing Great Eagle wasn't writing a Great Eagle. In my defense, when I read it, I didn't bother reading the names. I didn't bother reading the points. I just read his profile when he picked up Nature's Wrath. That's amazing. He's got no Staff of Power. Oh, why is he 210, you know, whatever he was, without a Staff of Power? Because I didn't read his name. Yeah, fair It was enough. only later on. I'm like, why is Radagast like, oh, that guy's rubbish. And they're all like, no, he's got a Great Eagle. I'm like, oh, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> So you're the problem, David. It was you. No, because I never argued that he didn't have it. I just didn't know he had one. Uh, I don't know. That sounds dodgy to me. Anyway, he now has a great eagle. Write that down somewhere. Yep. yep. No, we wrote it in the book. It's in the book. Even better. Yeah, so that, that's, that's good. That's good that he has that. It's still a separate profile, isn't it? They haven't combined the Radagast into one profile. Yes, it's a separate profile. Because it's got different spells. And is he still... Uh, what has he got for the weapon? He's... One moment. Okay, so he's got a dagger and a great eagle. Is his weapons? No, his dagger is is a hand weapon, isn't it? It's not unarmed or anything silly. No, like that. it's no, a dagger. It's a dagger because it used to be years and years ago. A dagger was unarmed, but not a problem. Sounds like a fun scenario. You can even faint at it if you want. Yeah, yeah, if you want. Well, you probably could with the eagle's fight value. Mm-hmm. You might be able to pull that off. That's pretty high fight. Would it lower his fight value than letting you fight with the eagle's fight value, or would it lower the combined overall fight value? Oh, I would. I would imagine it would lower your highest fight value because... Because it's the one you're using. Yeah, I think you'll choose to use the, the whatever it is, the six or seven from the eagle. And then once and you've then chosen... And lower that, yeah. I, I can't imagine you could get away of, with that. That seems, seems a bit ridiculous to me. Okay. It's now official. You cannot get away with that. Yeah. no. It, look, you choose which stat you want to use, but I still think you have to apply the negatives if you're going to do that. I just figure it's easier to bring it up now than when we're actually playing. Yeah, fair enough. What's the victory conditions that one? Victory conditions. Beyond the Eagles must prevent as many orcs as possible from reaching Ravenhill. Good side wins if less than 10 evil models escape the board. If 10 or more evil models escape the board, evil wins. Uh, doesn't appear to have end conditions, so just kill them all. Hang yeah. on. Bayorn's arrival. Bayorn starts as a passenger, so Bayorn riding Great Eagle. Check. He cannot dismount the... No. He cannot, he cannot transform while mounted and automatically transforms when he dismounts. Eagles show up at some point and count as monstrous mounts. So no end conditions. Just kill all of the orcs. Just kill all the orcs. I like these scenarios where a whole bunch of rubbish has to run past really powerful models, but they play that game where some of them are going to run here and then let's let them get attacked and then the others will run across to the flanks. So you've got this basically wall of Gundabad orcs trying to run through a few eagles, not a huge amount, and Bayorn. And you've got, you've got six bats, but that's only six of them. You need to get ten models off. And with Bayorns, when he turns into the bear, he's got that ability where he has to charge you. So that would be you'd get a few guys to lure him away. Yeah. And, yep. Be, a bit one guy in Bayon's charge range, he charges that one, then everyone sprints past on the and other side. And that's the one where Bayon picks up the model and throws it to try and charge in the direction he wants to. Yep. But then yep. you end up killing that model and you're like, ah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Fun with Bayon. Yeah, no, I like that. Now we move to the last one for this initial campaign setup. This one looks fun. So, what's this called? Clash of Heroes? Clash of Heroes, yes. Clash of Heroes. So, this is the final climactic fight. You've got Azog and Fighting Philly in the top left corner. You've got Azog fighting Philly in the top left corner. You've got Tariel and Killy trying to fight Bolg in the bottom left corner. On the right, you've got Legolas. And up the top there, you've got Thorin, Dwalin, and Bilbo, who I believe are being mobbed by a whole bunch of Gundabad Berserkers. Yeah, Gundabad Berserkers are in this one. So yeah, you've effectively got four fights, and when you win one fight, you can pile all your troops into one of the other fights. I can't wait for this one. So participants, as I said, you've got your assorted heroes. On evil, you have Azog with heavy armor and stone flail. You have Bolg. You have 12 Gundabad Berserkers um, and six Gundabad Orcs. Three of them have shields, three with spear. Yeah, you've got a small amount of evil models there, don't you now? Like, it's not a huge amount compared to the others. No. And I particularly like the treacherous ice. So when you're out on the ice and you end your move on the ice, you roll a dice. On a one, you fall over. So you can try taking a shortcut across the ice, but it might actually slow you down. Now, I'm going to always take shortcuts on ice because I love this sort of stuff. And because I always roll the one, it's hilarious. And if the enemy wants to take advantage of you being on the ground, they charge you and then they roll a one. So you've got two (laughs) guys on the ground trying to flail (laughs) at each other. I can't wait till we do this, David. Yes. It's going to be fun. Things of particular interest, Legolas starts with Orcarist. And he can throw it to Thorin. He's got 12-inch throw on Orcrist. So that's some serious, you know. Yeah. Some serious range. The price of grief. If Tyrell is slain, Legolas gets his new, which is now old, which is now gone profile back. He goes to fight seven three attacks. 
So this once again supports my claim that a lot of the profiles are done for scenarios in particular. Yes. Like that old profile looks like it was designed specifically for this sort of battle. But this is particularly important because we're going old school fight values. Yes. You Neither side is bro- can be broken. Neither side may call heroic strikes. I love that rule so much. Because... It's that fine balance between the fight seven hero and the fight six hero. It's that this guy is a tier above. You do not want to mess with Glorfindel, Lord of the West. Now everybody is like, Glorfindel, I shall send my captain to slay him. Yeah, yeah. No, this fight seven is a big deal. Because that's what it was, wasn't it? It's like, oh, okay, Azog. Oh, first, Killy goes in strikes up. Philly goes in strikes up. Yeah. It's just... It's really? like we'll burn our might out, and then yeah. It's oh, and now he's out of might. He's hopeless. You're stuck. No, this is this is good. Back to the back to the old rules. Oh, look, I do like the heroic strikes for points match games. Yes, but for this sort of scenario, we were talking heroes. Are, it's like the poor monsters. Like you get a troll, and the captains just go, "Nah, we got it. This, we got this." Yeah, it's easy. We've got might. You don't easy. So th- that's a fantastic rule. What's the notable omission in the evil side, David? We talked about this before a little bit. Azog's equipment. He's brought his heavy armor. He's brought his stone flail. He hasn't brought his giant tower, which he even starts deployed in a giant tower. But no, he does not have his giant tower. Yeah, yeah. I was so disappointed. The signal tower, which, which, let's face it, this has been the talk of the book. People have really either hate or love this signal tower. Azog's got some new war gear. They, it doesn't turn up in a scenario at all. This like, is the perfect It's scenario. clearly written for a scenario, but it's just not there. So we're going to take some time to, to talk about this signal tower at the moment. So David, can you just go, like we already know what Azog does. Azog's massive. Let's go straight to the signal tower. Tell me what the signal tower does. Signal tower. Second most expensive upgrade in the game, I believe. How much is it? 200. So, so it costs more than Azog himself. Yep, yeah, but less than the Champions of Erebor. Correct. It's a tower. You get to place this tower on the board. There's deployment rules, but never mind that. You get pretty much a mini watchtower. It's the folding fortress of doom. You just go bang there. Yeah, so you're giving old talk, Warhammer references. People talk tactics about how useful the campfire or the Miracle Adrill is for holding choke points. This, you get a full watchtower. Yeah, no, and that, that's true. You can place terrain. It, it's massive. To be able to place terrain based on objectives and things like that is huge. But for 200 points, you want more than that, don't yes. you? It comes with four parts and seven lieutenants. The lieutenants are pretty much half captains. Some people compare them with Rangers of the North. They've got one might. They're pretty much mini blokes but you get seven of them i wish i could buy this guy separately that would be really cool and so his lieutenants have four main bits which are all the banners and horns whatever the banner of dol galdor is pretty much it's a banner which outranges imrahel it's a full battlefield banner yeah like the goblin drums isn't it except this is weren't they 18 or 12 or maybe they are you could be right this is a full battlefield battlefield banner yep yeah perfect it has the banner of Gundabad, which is your heroes can march without burning might, as yep. long as you've got one of your guys in this thing. The banner of Agmar pretty much gives you a fury save. It's a six plus. It does not stack with fury. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the horn of the Gorgoroth, pretty much it's a war horn for the entire battlefield, as most war horns are, but it also gives a neg one to enemies. Does not stack with other neg ones. That's, that's, yeah, so you've got this massive effect. So these ones, like, I, once again, comparing the drum, which is like 70 points, that sort of stuff, you're getting all those effects plus a few more. There are 100 points. I, I don't know if they've gone down. They used to... Oh, that's, the, that's the old Goblin drum. used to be 100 now. I think I think there's I a think they're 90 one. for the better one. Could be. Could be. Anyway, we, we won't go into that because that's not our big deal. So you get a bunch of effects. Some of them are amazing. The banner for the whole battlefield. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. That, that's so good. Like, if you're playing eight, 800, 1,000 points, you would take two, three banners. So that's 75 points there. Yeah. Um, yeah. In range of a banner, I'm sure for the scenarios it counts as a banner, so that's all good. The fury save one, I'm not so fussed about that one. It's not the terror, is it? It's just yeah. The it save. doesn't give you the um, immunity to courage, but you've got the plus one, so that's something. Yeah, that's okay. Look, I I can give or take that one yeah. to be honest. Free marching, free marching. Once again, give or take, depending on what we're doing for the mission. But handy to have, like that, yeah. That's I think that's the thing. Like these are all handy to have, and you get all four of them. Yeah, Which well, the, the banner one's, come, the banner one's more than handy. Yeah. The, the banner rerolls are always useful. Oh, yes. Unless you've got more banners on the battlefield, which you probably won't. Yeah, because you've paid. You've invested your points in this thing. Yeah, you've, you've paid big money on this. Yes. Uh, it also gives some of the hosts, if Azog has taken the signal tower, then he is particularly important. Uh, he may take 24 warriors in his warband, and they may de- be deployed within 12 inches of him. 
Yep. So you get a giant warband, and this has caused a lot of people some some grief as well. This I love this because it feels like the old game where you had a hero leading a bunch of troops. This is one I've heard the like almost the other end of the not the other end of the argument, but characters like Baragond and Damrod, they're like, oh, they should only lead half warbands because they're yes. leaders, but they're obviously they're not they're not the equal of Aragorn the king when it comes to leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And you know how the the goblin. Um, what are, the, what are the Goblin Goblin Town? They come with 18 on a sprue. Yeah. Like, how cool would it be if they could have an 18 warband? Like with that, the Goblin King or whatever. Yeah, that would be fantastic if you could do that. So, it's great that there's some flexibility going on with the warbands. Maybe in the new edition we'll get some more flexibility. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's flexibility because you've got to pay 200 points to get it, but... Well, but no, that, that, but you've got... And it comes with seven heroes as well. So, you've so got eight heroes. Like, they can't lead, so... Well, at least I hope they can't. Now, can they leave the the tower, those heroes? They do not count as part of his warband. They may not lead troops. Yeah, I'm assuming they can leave. Okay, we may have missed where they they can. Hang on. I believe they can leave the tower, but you've got to keep one of them in base contact with each section that you want to operate. So you've got four of them operating the tower. You've got another three that can wander off, I believe. But if you wander off some of those four, then you start losing benefits. So if you decide you don't need to march because you're all locked in combat, then you can peel the guy off and send him into the fight. That's actually a really kind of cool thing to do, isn't it? So to to stop the signal tower, you're going to have to kill four of them to start reducing the powers? Yes. Each section of the tower, again, four sections, defense 10, three wounds. Uh, If you spend a full turn in combat with it, you can smash it like a siege engine or a... Anything like that. Good luck getting two of the 24 Gundabeds around it, quite frankly. And seven half-captains. And an Azog, perhaps. But this is a huge boon to the Azog's Gundabed orc list, isn't it? It's just fantastic. It looks like a lot of points. It really does. But you get. But it's a lot of benefit, yeah. And you're putting down a tower. Uh, We've had some comments on the Green Dragon page about what we should think about this. So I'm going to straight out, as a totally unbiased Gundabed orc player, who has played Gundabad Orcs at tournaments, who has 36 fine cast Gundabad Orcs and three heroes and Azogs and all this sort of stuff. I think it's entirely fair. David? I'm just saying I like it. Like, it's just, it's cool. It's yeah, it different. Is, it is it's, cool. I can see my Gondor are going to have all sorts of fun trying to siege this thing and probably dying spectacularly, but we're going to try, you yeah. know. What I'm interested to see is actually what the train piece looks like, whether you can climb on it, whether you can put models on it. That's Yeah, that's whether it's defendable or... Yeah, so this is the one where at the moment, because it's got some ambiguity to it... People are going to convert their own and you're going to show up. It's going to be this impenetrable fortress yeah, with yeah. these little flags on the top. That That's, my that's I think, probably the biggest concern overall about it is you could seriously model this as a siege. You could yes. put down a castle, you could put your whole force inside it and away you go, you've got a siege going. Mm-hmm. So, I think if you're concerned about that, you need to to talk to tournament organisers and see if they one allow it to, if they've got some restrictions on the actual terrain. But I think wait for the forge or model to come out. Under Azog's lieutenants to count as manning a section, they have to be in base contact with it. So that to me sounds like they can't move inside it. Yeah, but never actually says they can't. So that's that's the thing, and I think that's where when we actually see with the size of it, when we see the model, it's going to be something very useful. I think at the moment now, there's enough ambiguities there where if you're going to go and throw this down to the tournament, you could probably have a significant advantage. Indeed. So I could see, I could see where but people. Then it's two hundred points. It should provide a significant advantage. Plus, you're putting two hundred points into Azog. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you might not have the points to get 24 guys into his warband anyway. Well, I think you would. I think you'll take it at like 800 points plus where that would be your whole army. But once again, you've got no missile fire with that. So what's mm. stopping people just standing shooting at you? Yeah, true. Like y- you have to have your four little lieutenants in base contact with it. So I I, I really, I love the idea that we got a model for Signal yes. Tower. And we'll Put try it that. I love the idea. We'll have to play it. We'll have to see it before we can... We'll give you more. We'll come back to it in like a Know Thine Enemy at some point. We'll do a Know Thine Enemy Azog signal tower and when we've actually put it on the table and seen what it plays like because this is totally first impressions. Indeed. And they don't even have a picture of it here, so... Yeah, it's not in the scenario. Why? Why? Why is it not in the scenario? There's my rant. Okay, back to the scenario. So, we've got these heroes spread out all over the place. Looking at this, you're going to need that fight seven. 
So you're going to have to feed Tariel to Bulg if you really want to hope to, you know, deal with these heroes. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's that's a kind of cool mechanic, isn't it? Which means you're pretty much trying to got to get Killy out of there because you want his might later. Get Tariel killed fast and then try try and try and link up your heroes. Because Philly and Killy should not have split it up. But oh well. That dwarves for you. Yeah. So ideally you want you want to keep Tario alive if possible if you're the the evil side and not get not get those conditions moved off. But mm-hmm. honestly, if someone wants to get someone killed, it's not too hard to do it. You can go just charge them, take off as many stats off yep. Bulg as you can, maybe win a combat or two against him in the long run. Or find a nice dangerous piece of cliff to jump off. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you wanna you wanna go down and go down in the fight. Tyrell's an interesting as one with all the extra attacks. She could she's such a threat that the the evil side pretty much has to deal with her. Yeah, but she's also starting off in just fighting Bulg, so she's not going to be generating all that many extra That's attacks. That's true, and the evil player wants to be one-on-one, so it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, isn't it? If you kill her, you If you kill her, Legolas powers up. Ideally, you'd want to kill Legolas first, but you don't have a whole lot over there to threat him, I don't think. I don't think so, and Legolas, because he can shoot, he can pretty much stand back. He can peg shots into Bulg. Yep, which you don't want, so... So you pretty much need to, to kill Tariel and get moving. So I like this. I, I'm looking forward to the scenario. It's going to be good fun. Oh, yeah. It looks good. And that's the end of our part three of our review. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for part four. Traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.